share one. Listen, if we're going to get massive solicitor's fees, it's all right for Leanne. Imran gives a flipping mate's rates. We'll get senior coming rates. Look, Leanne's only being an arc, Steve, because you're being an arc. I apologised. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter now. The main thing is that Oliver's OK. Oi, Asher, no funny business tonight, OK? And welcome to episode 99 of the Talk of the Street and the unofficial Cornish Retreat Catch-Up podcast that thought there has never been a more seamless head swap on Corrie than there was this week. I'm Gavin. If you say so. <laughs> uh, we'll get to it. So much to say. <laughs> and, and and yes, it's part of Corey News. You're welcome, Giovanni. Oh, I think we just call him John, don't we? I think it's kind of rude to, to call people by their last name. Although it's more common, I think, to call people by their last name here than it is. Yeah, it's back more in familiar. The UK. It's 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 a it's a term of familiarity, but I think it also depends kind of on region, because I've had U.S. friends who've said, "Don't call me by my last name. It sounds like you're mad at me." I'm like, "Right? No, it means that you're my mate. That we're friends." When I well, yeah, I guess when I moved across, uh, because I was so unusual, because mm-hmm. nobody had ever met anybody with a Scottish accent before, apparently, yeah. they did a little piece about me for the the company's internet site, <laughs> and they referred to me as Broom throughout, and I was like, I don't think I like that. Hmm. Well, in, in journalism, that, that, that tends to happen a lot. I'd hardly call our company internet. Well, I'm being polite. A journal, but sure. Um, and I call you Broomy. That's a nickname. Yeah, so it's Broom. No, that's just my last name. <laughs> this actually ties back to Coronation Street, funnily enough. It's an old memory of mine that has stuck with me for, oh, for these past probably 40 years. I remember it was Fred G and Bet Lynch in the Rover, and Fred would always call Bet Lynch Lynch. Mm-hmm. I might have that the wrong way around. <laughs> but my grandpapa used to hate that. Oh, used to get them riled up. <laughs> How rude. So I think that's why I think it's rude, is because they thought it was rude 40 years ago. And also, you know, if you have like a clever last name or a, a fun last name or a last name that is also a cleaning supply, people tend to... <laughs> <laughs> like we do. Hey, broom. Because it's fun to, fun to say, hey, broom. Like you're talking to a broom. I think you're the only person that calls me a broom. Hey, broomy. Hey, you're broom. not the only person that calls me a broomy, but you're, I think you're the only person that's called me a broom. Who else calls you a broomy? I will fight them in the streets. Oh, my, my, my entire ex-family <laughs> all called me a broomy. Well, I won't fight them in the streets. <laughs> There's too many of them. There are. <laughs> that's a large family. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm assuming they're all delightful, but I've only met a small fraction of them. I am not Facebook friends with your ex-wife, but I am Facebook friends with a lot of a lot of her family. Well, at least one. Well, Lyndon Kevin, I guess. Yeah, Lyndon Kev, who I love. 
Yeah, good people. They're fantastic. And they breed Bengal cats. Mm-hmm. So what's not to love? <laughs> Absolutely. I just tagged uh, Kev in a article about a Bengal cat uh, befriending a hedgehog and said, you guys need to get a hedgehog now. <laughs> You're Facebook friends with my ex-husband, though. Yes. <laughs> and and his sister. His heart's in the right place. Yes. What's... And so is his stomach. <laughs> Talking of which, we may get interrupted as we were doing this this morning. I'm expecting one, possibly two deliveries. Of groceries. From... <laughs> woot, woot. We get to eat again. The freezer's getting kind of low, but... This has been a dilemma because we've been ordering direct from the supermarket, Family mm. Fair, that's in town. And I made the mistake a couple of weeks ago when I put the order in. Grocery thinking, store. What did I say? Supermarket. That's the same thing. <laughs> it's not. Remember we the did when, a whole podcast about it. Yeah, that's a supermarket then. <laughs> in fact, it says supermarket out front. I know, but it's not tech. It's, it's, it doesn't have all the stuff that requires is required in a supermarket but never mind continue i'm being pedantic on purpose so i thought they were delivering on thursday and i put the order in on the monday i think it was and that was kind of typical we were for like four days mm-hmm. having to wait for them they're not delivering it they're just we have to go and pick it up right but we don't have to go in the store which is nice right i just pop open the back and they just put it in and then i drive away right but the Great. mistake I made was that it wasn't this Thursday, it was next Thursday. Yes. So four days had turned into 11 days. I'm like, oh, that kind of changes things a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'd heard good things about Shipped. So I joined Shipped. And it costs money to join Shipped. It's yes. like 75 bucks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not cheap. Whereas with the grocery store, we don't have to, we, we pay like a picker's fee. Five and bucks. that's it. So what Shipped does... And what I didn't realise is how they operate until I'd signed up for it, is they only have today and uh, tomorrow and the next day, or today right. and tomorrow, is their slots and they don't have anything beyond that. Right. So they get eaten up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I've sat with an order on my shipped account for about a week, mm-hmm. waiting for, just continually <laughs> click and refresh, waiting for a time slot to come up. And then one of my co-workers said, the trick to shipped is wait until like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And what they do is at that point is they open up another batch of slots. And if you're quick, you can be in there. If you're on your your um, your cart and you're checked out, you can very quickly select a slot and, and pay and that's you done. Right, yeah. And, and that's what happened last night. But in the meantime... Kind of like a, reserving cookie booths for Girl Scouts. I have no idea. But what happened in, before, uh, in between times is I'd been introduced to Instacart by another um, another team member. So I put through an order on that, and that was great because you, you could I could have got the groceries that day, mm-hmm. but I don't I'm getting this morning because I'm thinking that they probably stocked the shelves a little bit better and we'll mm-hmm. have less dropped items coming off. So I'm expecting calls from both of those people to confirm replacements and possibly delivery. So yes, yay! Well, what a boring story that was. Well, I don't know. I think I think getting groceries is is rather exciting these days. <laughs> You know, because you're kind of putting your life in your hands in some ways. We don't actually go into any big grocery stores anymore. If we desperately need something, there are are smaller shops 
like like liquor stores <laughs> where we can go and and buy the you know half and half or milk or orange juice and it's a smaller store there are less people in there the the odds are in our favor if yeah. we go into a smaller store rather than some of the larger stores <laughs> because a couple of the larger stores have confirmed that some of their people have come down with the virus so you don't really want to go into those. <laughs> plus people are idiots yeah they don't follow the they don't follow the uh the arrows around the store i was they get far <clears throat> too close to you in the checkout line mm-hmm. it's just uncomfortable you can see the people that are taking it seriously because they will deliberately either go very far around you mm-hmm. or will change the direction completely and to avoid passing by right. in the in the aisle because yes. the aisles are now all one way right but that people don't always yeah. want to follow that people want to do their own thing right which is which doesn't bode well no <laughs> for humanity hence the convention of man babies uh, last week that's I would like for one time to see our state capital, Lansing, Michigan, which is like 10 miles north of us, appear on BBC News for a good reason. That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, Yikes. Anyway, we're, we're drifting kind of close to the wind here on that kind of stuff that we normally discuss on that other podcast that we don't do. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been this week? Um, Good. <laughs> Nine minutes in. I, I, I finished that horrible ghost novel that I was reading. And, you know, it continued to be horrible and just ridiculous. Like in the climax, the the old ghost hunter who has been helping this woman with her ghost of the man that she tried to save from suicide, which is actually kind of a good idea. I like the premise of the book that a woman tries to save a man who's jumping over a bridge to kill himself. She's unsuccessful and the guy comes back and haunts her. That's a that's an interesting premise. But the book is not well written. And like at the towards the end, the ghost decapitates the old woman, ghost hunter, with a sawzall that just happened to be in the woman's apartment because she had construction workers there to replace stairs. She has like a big warehouse flat over by Detroit. And I'm like, ghosts ghosts can't operate saws. <laughs> Patrick Swayze probably could have. Yeah. He can ping coins. That's true. Took a big effort, though. Yeah, and... I'm tempted to tell my shipped story again. (laughs) (laughs) And also, Patrick Swayze's ghost would never decapitate anyone. He was a nice ghost. No. Just sexual assault, Demi Moore. Oh! They were were married. (laughs) Did they, though? No. No, they just made pottery. And then he possessed um, uh, Whoopi Goldberg... And they made, and Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore made out, but that was with Demi Moore's consent. So there was no sexual assault by a ghost in that movie. I'm thinking of a Barbara Hershey movie, I think. <laughs> we should add ghosts to the list. Oh, it's awful. It's not awful. I it love awful. ghosts. This week's rabbit hole. <laughs> was Taskmaster. Taskmaster on YouTube. Get <laughs> us that. It's been going for like years. And yeah. I've heard people talk about it. On the, on Facebook, but I've never watched an episode. I never watched all the episodes. Mm-hmm. Superb! It's always funny. Yeah. What movies have we watched this week? We've watched some good ones. We watched Moana. 
which you hadn't seen before. That was decent. Yeah. Apart from that fucking chicken. I hated that chicken. <laughs> Originally, the chicken wasn't supposed to be stupid. He was supposed to be fierce and, and brave. So, Juana, what did we watch last night? Uh, last night, we watched... Oh, the Stelly's Dumbo... Quick. The Dumbo Live remake, action. awful, just awful. The story just doesn't make sense. And before when, that, when, when Michael Keaton says, "No, we're not going to reunite the mother with the baby because then the mother wins. We'll kill her instead." It's like, what? <laughs> you want the baby elephant to fly? Just have his mother just like standing there. It'll be fine, mm-hmm. and the place won't burn down. I'm p- putting lots of spoilers in here, but anyway. It's Dumbo. Yeah, Steli chose it because Danny DeVito was in it, and for some reason she loves Danny DeVito. My 11-year-old daughter loves Danny DeVito and Robert Downey Jr. Those are her two favorite actors. Danny DeVito is her screensaver. Yeah. (laughs) a strange girl. inexplicable. (laughs) But uh, the night before that was Be Cool, which was horrible and homophobic, and I I audibly gasped when that Russian mob guys said the N-word. I was like, this is PG-13? Uh-huh. What? That wasn't great. That was not a good movie. That's as far back as my memory is going to go. And uh, what did you choose before I chose Moana? It was something else with The Rock. Oh, uh, Fighting With My Family, which was pretty good. I watched a documentary that that's based on uh-huh. last night. Is the documentary better? Yeah. Yeah, it tends to happen. Mm-hmm. That, like, the what a strange family that is, though. The, the, the strangeness of the family didn't come through really on the... It came through a little bit. Yeah, because Nick they're, Frost they're, is strange. They're stranger than that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm going to say much stranger than that. <laughs> I am not surprised. Shall we dive in, uh, Medea? Yes, please. Wrestle out some Cory news for me, please. With pleasure. There's a new Addy in town. Adam Hussein has taken over the role as Dev's son from Xenon Digit, who has left the show to focus on his studies. He's studying for his A-levels. So. Commend- a commendable action from the young man to, to focus on yes. something a little bit more permanent than acting kind of part-time on a, on a soap opera. Yeah. I think, that, I think that's a wise move. Yes. What I wouldn't think is a wise move is the decision to cast the new young man in the role who looks... Precisely nothing. nothing like the old one, and now has a full head of hair where Addy was. Yeah, kind of shaved head. head. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and is slimmer, and has slightly darker skin and a larger nose. <laughs> I know you're not going to get it exact. But no, but same ballpark would have been no. nice. Apparently, he he was already good friends with uh, the young lady who plays Asha. Oh, okay. So. Oh, well. So they thought that the chemistry would be really good between them and everything because they already knew each other. We'll get to this when we're going through the episode, but it doesn't actually have to do an awful lot this week other than... Imitate Ryan? <laughs> right when Ryan started. Remember when Ryan started Remember when he was Ryan drunk? Ryan started and he pretended to be... In, and, well, he was quote, end quote, acting drunk. <laughs> Bump, uh, bumping into things. Oh, <laughs> he him. Um, oh, <laughs> also, I don't think that the old Addy would have been the kid who nicked the vodka and got drunk at a party. Right, yeah. That was something that really kind of bothered me about this whole storyline is that it, it doesn't jive with who the character is. 
as far as we've known him so far, he's he tends to not be a kid who's who's all that concerned about popularity and is rather cynical and and quiet and aloof, straight laced and yeah, kind of goody goody almost. Yeah, and and wouldn't be compelled by a pretty blonde girl to steal from his dad. Right. But we've never seen Addy work in the store before this week, have we? We've seen Asha work at the I think he, shop. I think he has in the past, but maybe not maybe not all that often. No. I, I can remember him being in the store. I can't remember if he was working or not, but it wouldn't surprise me if he'd been working there at some point. Hmm. Although he did need to know kind of the basics, so that would kind of suggest that... Right. I just love the fact that everyone called him Addy as often as possible just to kind of drill it into everybody. That right, in that first scene, I was this like... This is a new character. Like, oh, Dev hired a new kid to work in the shop. That's nice. <laughs> oh, oh, that's... That's Addy now. All right, fine. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> that hair grows at a remarkable rate. <laughs> Colson Smith, a.k.a. R. Craigie, a.k.a. the guy in Sofa Cinema Club with awful taste in movies, has confirmed on Good Morning Britain that the show will indeed write in the COVID-19 pandemic into the show when filming commences. I'm disappointed by that. Eh. I mean, it's a big thing going yes, on in the world. but it's everywhere. That it's, it's all that you can see. Right, and by the time they commence filming... It'll be done. It'll be hopefully. kind of... Hopefully, over, it'll either be over... Or the fir- or the second wave will be start, right. and will cause tragic, tragic things to happen because the way these things work in pandemics is that the second wave tends to be much worse than the first wave because people are stupid. Right, people go back to normal too early. Yes, and and try desperately to go back to the normal that they knew instead of trying to adapt to a new normal. Which we've kind of already discussed. Keeping it light. Keeping it light. So, yeah, I remember in my interview with the New York Times when he asked me about this. <laughs> and I said, you know, it's kind of a big thing that's hard to ignore. But at the same time, by the time they start filming again, it won't be as much of a story. And it, I'm wondering how difficult it will be to write some of the stuff in. I don't know. I think they're probably clever enough and talented yeah. enough to, to do something about Although it. But what all... I like is that there is no mention of it. <laughs> and so it's like what just remembering when, remembering thi- a, a, when simpler were, time. a simpler time when things were normal and right. you could go to the pub. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember pubs. Mm, I remember pubs. I used to enjoy pubs. Uh, pubs were these places that uh, towns and villages used to have. They were kind of, like, kind of social gathering places where you would sit and watch sports on TV and drink alcohol. Or game shows. Old game shows from the 70s. And put on Bollywood music to... <laughs> to annoy the rednecks. To annoy the rednecks. <laughs> and, and occasionally, you know, old spirituals and, and civil rights songs like Mississippi Goddamn. I remember somebody actually getting angry when I played Mississippi Goddamn in ABs once. I don't think I remember that. No. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> Pubs. Pubs. They were good. We missed them. <laughs> Finally, 
Sad news. As Simon Gregson reveals, his wife's grandmother has died from COVID-19. Oh, that's a be shame. We reported last week that Simon Gregson it. himself mm -hmm. has COVID-19. He seems to still be uh, recovering well. He was recovered enough to do an interview, um, not with not with Good Morning Britain, but with the, what is it, Britain Today or something? It has Today in the title. This Morning. Maybe. Maybe it was this morning. Anyway, I don't know British morning shows. I barely know American morning shows because they're awful. Lauren Kelly's might be, might be called today. I don't know. I think that was the one. Anyway. Yeah. And he's he's lost a lot of weight. Well, not tends so, to heart with gastric problems, doesn't yes. it? Yes. So he's, he's, he's lost a bit of his Muppet face, but he's, well enough, to, he's well enough to do an interview and that, that's good. Anyway, in her memory, he has committed to donating two of his classic vehicles to members of the NHS. Oh, nice one. Yeah. And that's Corey News. Well, thank Maybe. you for that, Corey News. Here's our mailbag. John wrote in to say, has there ever been a more depressing episode than last Wednesday's? I doubt it. The only distraction during it all was the arty camera shots like Emma poking the fish tank, which she's not supposed to do. No. Bad, bad Emma. Bad Emma. And then later, seeing her mirror imaged. Yes. And Chris, yes, that one wrote in to say, only read the pre-see of the episode so far, not heard the pod, but crying laughing at Kelly the Chin. <laughs> to which point, to which I replied, at this point it writes itself. Then Kathleen on Facebook said, as much as I hate the storyline with Tim's fucking dad, I love it when, <laughs> when, when people, people say Tim's yes. dad. <clears throat> I think the writers are doing a good job showing how abusers get their partners to come back even after they see the signs. Many people unfortunately leave and return to their abusers multiple times and people don't understand why. If they're going to do this storyline, at least they're doing it justice. I think I agree 100% with that, Kathleen. Correct. Frustrating, and, but doing it well. And this wasn't our mailbag, but I saw it on a Facebook group. I think it was Cornish Street ITV group? I can't mm. remember. And it made me laugh. It was Pam Messam wrote in to a TV or celeb mag or something said, if Chesney and Fizz are siblings, then why does Fizz really visit his four babies? She could even give Chesney and Gemma a hand occasionally, which I think is dipped in a sentimental sarcasm. But it's a fair point. Hmm. Gemma would just turn her away. I think she has turned her away a couple of times. Because Fizz has shown up a couple of times and Chesney has said, oh, Fizz has offered to come and watch the babies. And Gemma's like, oh, no, 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 I got it. I got it. I, I'm a good mother. I could do it all. See, I think it should come in there. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I wait for the bass. That feels late. I do think the intro is like at least four bars too long, so... Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about nut juice. Bork. It was about... Almond milk or something, right? Correct. Yeah. And I was even saying that if I didn't even call it milk when it's just water that's been passed over an almond, you might as well just call it nut juice or what's that effect. I was Gavin and you were now married to an American. Oh, that's right. You became an American. It was a year ago today. Was it? Mm -hmm. It came up on my Facebook memories earlier this morning. Oh, happy, happy Americanization, my darling. Yeah, how's that worked out? Yeah. <laughs> fine. It's worked out fine. It's fine. It's fine. I, I can't forget every now and again. 
That you're an American? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... It's not something that you think about no. like, all day or when you're eating your dinner, you think, hmm. I'm an American now. <laughs> yeah, don't think about that. Mm. You finally remember to wear your Canna sweatshirt. This was after, <laughs> I think after having it in your possession for three or four weeks. This was one of the worst weeks we've ever covered. It was so bad. Rick the Chin and Sharon Nick everything from Gary's Builder's Yard, including the kettle. Tim's genitals get all tingly with Sally's mint shampoo. Ew. Abby enlists Brian to help AKA her pass her nut juice. GCSEs. <laughs> Robert begins his worrying trend of lying about everything. Kirk recites Dada poetry to the Knicker people. Jan gives Seb his bike f- for odd jobs, and Seb is eh, kind of reasonably grateful, I suppose. Chesney and Gemma go off for that fucking ridiculous caravan holiday, which results in Gemma being arrested. Remember that? Do you remember that? No. The caravan holiday? Oh god, that was the worst. See? That was absolute that no. Is that worse than than Gemma giving birth in that uh sky thing? The cable car thing. Yeah. What's worse? The caravan holiday or the, the cable caravan car holiday. Birth? Caravan holiday. Oh yeah. Because she befriended those old guys uh-huh. in the pub mm-hmm. and that was ridiculous. Chesney got angry. Yeah. Chesney, I think, fell into a puddle of mud. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chesney, I think, got covered in mud when the, the wheels were spinning in the mud. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was straight out of a carry-on movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that wasn't good. Moment of the week was Evelyn and Dev's cheeky interaction with each other, which I don't remember. And the boring moment of the week was Chesney going on about 39 steps. I don't remember that either. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Hello! Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. You know, sometimes I worry about characters like Irish Tina and Tim's fucking dad when they drop out or will eventually drop out of the show and how we lose something vital from the podcast when we do. Or when they do. Well, then they get replaced by people like Kelly the Chin. Other times, I don't worry about it at all. And on that note, let's dive into storyline number one, (laughs) which is called storyline number four. It's Gem with the quads again. Right. Just on Monday... Gemma and Chesney have been sitting with Dr. Gaddas over the weekend, it seems. Gemma is explaining how she's struggling to cope, and Chesney insists that he's helping as much as he can. Is he? It's not just on Monday, because there was some last night. Oh, wait. I watched all of them last night. <laughs> Which suggests he's not really listening to her. Gemma has voices in her head telling her the kids would be better off without her. She can't sleep because she's scared of the dreams that she has. Gemma doesn't think about hurting herself, but she admits to thinking about harming the babies, and she talks about when she was sitting at the bus stop and just letting go and letting it run into mm-hmm. the traffic and see what happens. Gada says these feelings are common with mothers with postnatal depression and the fact that she's been able to admit to it means that she's on the road to recovery. Oh, that was nice. And Chess kind of reluctantly gives her a hug. Yeah. <laughs> Chesney. Chesney. Gemma's back home and Paul thinks this all sounds pretty positive now that she's going to get medicated out of her tits and stuff. Paul offers to get the prescription filled and Chesney is about to head off to work. And I'm like, really? Really, guys? Really? This is what's going to happen. Aye, aye, aye. We're going to leave her in the house alone with the, the babies again and Chesney's going to go to work. But no, he's going to work to get someone to cover his shift, he says. Mm-hmm. And then off he goes. Later, Chesney's at home talking to Paul about Gemma, saying that she thought about hurting the babies. And we see that Gemma's at the top of the stairs and mm. overhearing this. And Chess says that he can't get this image out of his head. Which, fair point, but 
She's on the road to recovery. So. When people tell you what they actually think during the day, mm-hmm. I think it would probably surprise quite a lot of people. I think it would be rather shocking. Right. Because <laughs> you keep these little... There are little pockets in everyone's head right. of really horrifying thoughts. <laughs> Everyone has really horrifying thoughts. I have them. You have them. We all have them. <laughs> it's like you can just be walking through the through a mall mm-hmm. and you, you see someone or you see something and you think the most uncharitable thing about that person <laughs> or that thing that you can possibly think and go, ooh, that's kind of dark. Mm. I better. I better Temp pu- that down. Push that down and yes. scrunch it in a little ball. Yes, and not think about what it <laughs> what it means that I, a person, has thought these things about another person. I can't climb a flight of stairs without counting. If I'm walking upstairs, I am counting the stairs as I count as I go up. I do it in the house, even though I know how many stairs there are. <laughs> how many stairs are there? Fourteen, I, I think. <laughs> Pretty sure it's fourteen. Thirteen or fourteen. Ah. <laughs> I just do it. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, and that, that, I think that's probably one of the least distressing things that I could share with you right now. But, right. But yeah, so for Chesney to be kind of, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. I think that's perfectly valid. Mm. Anyway. But Gem overhearing this, she doesn't see it as being perfectly valid and she's packed and she admits that overhearing him and Paul talking has done it. If the roles were reversed, she understands and she'd chuck him out. <laughs> it's best that she leaves. Yeah. With Chesney, who has a job, who cannot take care of these children by himself. Even if he didn't have a job, Chesney could not take care of those four children by himself. No. No. He manages to talk her out of it and puts the babies to sleep, but not like that. He tells her... (laughs) Broom! (laughs) He tells her how difficult he's finding it, worrying about the kids and his job and Gemma. Nice. Nicely Mm. done, Chesney. She wishes it was easier and he thinks it will be in time. And then there's a knock at the door and it's Bernie. Did she leave last week or... Is she back again? She's back again. Motown Bernie's back again. (laughs) Guess who's back? Back again. Bernie's back. Bernie's back. All right. (laughs) Uh, I'm out. (laughs) She's going to work in the kebab shop to save Chesney having to do it. And all the money that she earns is going to come into the house. All she needs in return is a place to lay her head. And Gemma if it finally accepts this offer of help and yeah, apologises nice. for her behaviour before. And that's as far as we get with that this week. That, this... Was, that was kind of lovely because she apologises and Bernie, you know, she's like, I've been an awful daughter, blah, blah, blah. And Bernie just kind of like pats her hand and says, it's all right. Mm-hmm. No, you know, you're you're doing the best you can. It's fine. Has she admitted to Chesney that it was her who, you know, Broke the window and, and did all of those other things that Bernie claimed she did. I don't think we saw any evidence of that at all, no. No. Because that would be the charitable thing to do, you know, considering. Although it seems like Chesney and Bernie have made up. Yes. She's wearing his shirts, so. <laughs> That's right. She's wearing a, she's wearing a Chesney kebab shirt. <laughs> Dev can spring for a, a Bernie shirt for her, I guess. Right. I wonder if Dave knows about this. 
I must. No, because Chesney says he's talked to Dev. Oh, that it was all okay. right with Dev. Is anyway. this a turning point, do you think, in uh, Gemma's recovery, do you think? Yes. is right. I kind of get the impression as well. The fact that she's accepting the help seems to be a bit of a, a line in the sand right. now that she's putting stuff behind her and... And she's admitted to her dark thoughts and her yes. thoughts about harming the babies and that's kind of out and open now and can be dealt with and right. she's getting medicated and stuff. And However, I hope that they don't just say, oh, well, she's medicated, so we're not going to talk <sighs> about this ever again. Right. Because I hate it when they do that. Like, medication is this magic elixir that just makes everything perfect again and we don't have to talk about it again. I was talking about this with some fellow posters on a message board site. That has nothing to do with Coronation Street, but just has a Coronation Street thread on it. Of oh, you're... Uh, a pint bovril. Yeah. Uh, wondering what the long-term future is of the quads and Chesney and Gemma. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the kind of general consensus was that this isn't a flyer for any length of time. And something's going to have to happen. But I couldn't see Gemma leaving because they've invested far too much in their character over the last 18 months. Absolutely. Chesney's been in it since he was like five or something. Right. So he's not going to go anywhere. No. Does that mean then something's going to happen to the babies? No. Because I can't have... Four babies running around? F- four babies grown up four. into four toddlers running into... Yes, they can because they're not identical. Because two of them are girls and two of them are boys. So they don't have to be identical. They don't have to find... For quads. Well, I mean, they, they need to find eight because they're typically. Right, yes. They're, um, they're typically unless, four twins. Unless it's, you know, if if they're only filming like one hour a week or something, then they wouldn't necessarily have to do that. So, or if, you know, half and half. Because there's, I there think, was, there was a, um, was it Nickelodeon or was it Disney Channel that had, they had a show about quads. Or were they quintuplets? Ricky, Ricky, Dicky, Mickey, Ricky, Nicky. There's got to be a Mickey. If there's a Ricky and a Nicky. There must be a Mickey. Pricky, Nicky, and Don. And those four children didn't look anything like one another, but they were quads mm. in the show. It was the kids liked it? It was a popular show for a while. So. If Coronation Street is good at doing anything, it's good at doing this. Hiding children away for extended periods of time and right. never mentioning them. Right. And, until a storyline requires it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Liam appears back. Right. Or yeah. Joseph appears back. And also... Or Simon appears back. Or also, like with Addy, if they need a new character... They're not all that bothered by getting a kid who looks exactly like the old one. I don't think they're expending too much time on ensuring that happens, no. No. So, I think it's fine. Okay. I mean, even look even at uh, Ben Price taking over Nick Tilsley. From the Adam Ricketts. Right, yeah. They were both blonde and that's about it. Right. <laughs> and tall. They were both tall. Yeah. Yeah. Our next storyline is Oliver's Twist. That kind of worked better in my head than it does on paper, I think. Yeah, but that's That's a wee twist. On Monday. And shout. Lots of shouting. (laughs) So much shouting. (laughs) There's the title. Oliver's Twist and Shout. There you go. You're welcome. (laughs) Our next storyline today is Oliver's Twist and Shout. (laughs) On Monday, Steve rushes into the medical centre with Oliver. 
Liz bursts into Gaddaf's office as she's speaking with Gemma, which I thought was Liz overstepping the mark somewhat. Right, but it's an emergency, so. You have to come quick. It's me grandson, says Liz. Yeah. Lots of Liz this week. Lots of Liz. Which is good. I like Liz. Yeah. Gaddaf says, oh, a little tweet from Mark Hamill just got in, got in the way of my notes there. <laughs> Gaddis is checking Oliver out. She thinks he's had a febrile convulsion. Febrile. Febrile. And he seems to be okay now, but it's worth going to a to make sure. She thinks it's probably related to the cold that he had. How do you think Oliver has a COVID-19? No. <laughs> Leanne and Nick burst into the hospital demanding to know what had happened, and Steve explains as best he can without revealing that he wasn't exactly there when it happened. He says the doctors aren't worried, which doesn't do anything to calm Leanne. The Nick drives everyone home in the worst car ever made by a UK car manufacturer. <laughs> They're over 75. <laughs> Steve comedically hightails it when he sees Billy and Summer approach, and Billy reveals that Summer was there and put Oliver into the recovery position. And furious, Leanne chases after Steve. He says he can explain he nipped out for 10 minutes to help. Well, well to help who? To help Emma. Uh, of course it was bloody Emma. And this infuriates Nick and Leanne, leaving Steve to tell Nick it's got fuck all to do with him. And Leanne says Oliver is always last in Steve's list of priorities. Which is rather uncharitable of Steve to say to Nick, I have to say. Stepdads are important too. <sighs> and Nick is arguably a more responsible parent than Steve. Well, this is true. Speaking from the perspective of a stepdad, I think I would be reluctant to get involved in an argument between you and John. I think I would. I'm giving you a doubtful look. I think I would. And that would infuriate me. I would be there. I would support you. Absolutely. And I'll have your back. But I don't know if this is is my business to get involved in. Well, if if John would ever do something like Steve did, which he would never do because he's the ultimate helicopter parent, (laughs) it would be different. But we would never be in that situation. No. I did think it was cruel of Steve to remind Nick that he's not the dad and stuff, but well, he's not the father. And he has no biological children. Yeah, he was the uh, anti-Mori Povich there. (laughs) Nick, you are not the father. Right. So, Nick claims to be more of a father to Oliver than Steve will ever be, but Steve describes Nick as just the bloke who lives with Oliver's mum. Which is uncharitable. Right, we need to stop saying uncharitable now, because that's the fourth time it's been said so far. Well, it's true. Steve goes to see Leanne, and he apologises for making a mistake. What more does she want? And she wants him to be a reasonable parent, otherwise he can arrange visits through her solicitor. On Wednesday then, Tracy and Steve are talking about their options. Steve points out that Leanne will get mates rates off Imran if this goes to the courts, while they'll get senior coming rates. Is it senior coming or senior coming? I think it's senior. Meanwhile, Leanne is being overprotective of Oliver, and she's taking the day off to look after him, and he's not going to go to stay at Steve's later. Nick thinks that Steve will see this as a punishment, and Leanne isn't ready to be sensible and grown up about this. Thank you very much. That was a that was a charming conversation between the two of them. I like when when Nick is being the responsible one and and Leanne recognizes he's being the responsible one, recognizes that he's right, but also recognizes that she's not ready to be right yet. It was a very honest conversation. I felt her to be quite unreasonable throughout Wednesday and Friday. Or not 
not constantly, but at several points throughout both episodes. Well, I, can I kind un- of felt that she was... I can understand her being overprotective. The whole solicitor thing, I think, especially considering how that how that eventually goes in, in farcical direction. It is farcical. Anyway, we'll get to that. So... Steve bumps into Imran and quizzes him about Leanne's possible legal motives, but Imran can't advise him one way or the other. Steve looks to secure Imran's services, but it's a conflict of interest because of Toya and Leanne, so Imran gives Steve a mate's card. Was it Max something? Was it Maxwell Max? something. This did of not, course it was. This did not come from me, says Imran. Hmm. So Nick pops into Deb's while Steve is there, and Steve is quick to apologise, and Nick is quick to accept. Nick thinks that they all need to act like grown-ups for Oliver's sake. Steve offers to take Leanne and Nick out to Speedal later. And Steve and Tracy are waiting at Speedal as Nick and Leanne and Oliver arrive, and it looks like Steve's neglected to inform Tracy of their double date idea. Yeah. Which is always, yeah. always, always away. Steve's MO is beg for forgiveness rather than ask for permission. Yes, because Tracy would never give permission. No. But the meal has gone reasonably well, and Steve is good to his word and agrees to pay for it. Uh, while he arranges for Oliver to come over to spend the night after Amy's friends have gone, because there's another storyline that we'll get to. Oh, yeah, Amy's having will. a party. Mm-hmm. But producing his credit card, the solicitor's card from earlier comes out, which of course Leanne which of course spies. It does. And Leanne, which of course it does. <laughs> and Leanne is furious, and Steve makes him up her face. What? <laughs> Leanne has said you're going to have to go through my solicitor. So she's right. the first one who. Who mentions solicitor? Right, but it's, but a, con- th- it's a conditional mention of solicitor. Yeah, unless- and I don't think she was serious necessarily. She was. I don't think she, you know, it, it was like, if this keeps going, then mm-hmm. I will bring a solicitor into it. But I don't even think she was that serious about that either. And I don't think Steve has called this Maxwell guy. This no, is, I don't think so either. This is still in both of their minds, something that might happen, but probably not, until Leanne sees that stupid card, which... Steve's thinking, <laughs> I'm going to keep this card in my wallet for when the next time I'm a total arsehole about something, and I'll need it. Right, absolutely. That, that's that's his point, I think. Mm-hmm. And she sees this and... And this is where I think she's been unreasonable, that she's blown up about this, because... People are allowed to have lawyers. And it's not as if he's planning on applying for custody or anything no, like that. No, no, because he didn't. He's, I think he's just wanting to make sure where he stands, what his rights are. Right. So I don't think she's really... But she doesn't... I don't think it's fair that she's but she so annoyed. But she doesn't know that. She kind of... She doesn't let him explain. No. And he doesn't explain very well anyway, because, you know... It, at no point does he say, well, I've never called this guy. You know, it was just a card just because you said that other thing. He never he never even tries to explain. Right. You know, he could have very easily explained during all of that conversation, and he doesn't. Can because he explain people and make can, a muppet face at the same time? Because people cannot communicate correctly on this show, because if they did, it would be a very boring show. Yeah, it relies on miscommunications and misunderstandings. Absolutely. Yeah. On Friday, Steve thinks that Leanne started it all by speaking with Imran, and she denies ever doing that. Nick goes to take Oliver away. He doesn't need this aggravation. I'm not sure the kid is old enough to give a shit one way or the other. Well, if he sees his parents at, you know, shouty voices are not good for kids. 
Well, if Nick is going, then Tracy has to go too. And Tracy's like, I don't want to fucking go. <laughs> I've got my wine. I've got my wine. <laughs> but eventually she does. And Leanne wants to know what Steve's big idea is. She says she doesn't trust Steve with Oliver. No, she doesn't trust Oliver with Steve. And she wants people uh, to be calm and for it to be a nice atmosphere and environment for her son to grow up in. Right. Steve reminds her that she's the one who blew her top about a business card. Leanne says that Oliver will be spending the night with her and Nick, which goes against the plan. And Steve says that they'll talk about this tomorrow, but she can't keep on using him like a plan B dad. And then That's Nick comes back point. with Oliver and Steve gives the wee boy a wee kiss in the pow and mm-hmm. says, I love you. And the wee boy says, I love you too. Aww. Aww. And then Leanne gets wired into the wine. Responsibly. <laughs> Nick will be dealing with two babies tonight. <laughs> right. We assume that Nick has talked Leanne into giving Oliver to Steve tonight after all, but thanks to events and another storyline, number one is far from the haven of calm that Leanne expects, so the deal's off. Right. And Steve reacts badly, saying that Simon's hardly the result of her great parenting. And, oh. <laughs> and he says that Leanne can't say when he can or can't see his own son. Lawyer up then, says Leanne, and she storms off. And that's basically as far as we get with that this week. Yeah. I mean, fair point to her when, when they roll up on the, on the scene that's going on. I wouldn't have left my kid there either. God, no. <laughs> you know, it's kind of mean what he says about Simon, though, because Simon is Leanne's adopted son. Uh-huh. But she's kind of... Uh, has she? Not so much, I guess. She hasn't raised him really that much. She's not recently, anyway. Well, he's living with them now. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> Remember, because Simon's the one who goes to get the door. It's Steve shows up. Oh yeah, that's right. It was Simon. Nick says to Simon, "Get the door." While he's while he's responsibly making dinner for everyone. We see. And then Oliver asks specifically for Nick. We see so so little of them. It's kind of hard to remember <laughs> where Simon is and what his history has been lately. I guess Leanne did have an effect on him when he was going off the rails a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, she was very positive <sighs> in all of that when Peter was himself going off the rails. Remember that? Where's Peter Ben? Because he comes back and they said, oh, you're back. I can't remember where he went to that he was coming back from with his little, uh, you know, navy duffel sack over his shoulder and everything looking like a seaman. Mm-hmm. I think he was in Scotland. Go- was it in Scotland? Visiting everybody, Daniel and everybody keeps going to Scotland. That's <laughs> uh, a nice place to go. Yeah, I kind of wish we were in Scotland right now. Uh, I don't. I don't know if it's much better. Fewer cases in Scotland than there are in England. That's true. Fewer people though. Hmm. I so like fewer people. This <laughs> right. This has been billed as. One of the main storylines of the first half of the year, if not the year right. as a whole. Yeah, and you know, the way that they've hinted at it was like tragedy for Oliver and stuff. So I'm really confused because I don't see how this is a tragedy for Oliver. Well, not yet. At the moment, you know, his parents fighting over him. Anyway, this is not going the way that I expected it to. No, I expected that. Um, and that whole like fit him, to be far more serious, right? Yeah, he has a fit, 
they take him to A&E on Dr. Gaddis's, uh but then we don't get the results of the tests. And it was on Gaddis's advice rather than instruction. Right. I think you should probably take him to A&E just to be on the safe side rather than we're going to the hospital. Right. So it was almost kind of, oh well, it's kind of fixed. Right. Whatever oh, was wrong seems to have gone away. temperature. We, we brought his temperature down. I guess they did. They must have. And now he's fine. So, and that doesn't make any sense because, again, you know, we, we have hints from his birthday party that all was not right with young Oliver as well when he kept falling asleep at his own party and Daddy Hulk cake. <laughs> so, this can't be the big thing. There has to be something more happening. That's maybe the maybe the the fit is not just a one off. There's a, a, a far a more serious underlying thing going on. Which is why it's so infuriating that more was not made of it. Right. It's like what? You're not going to tell us what the results were. Maybe this is part of the problem with the only three episodes a week thing. Maybe. Maybe we're going to find something out next week that we would have found out this week. Right. And it'll all kind of make sense. Which team are you on? Uh, probably team Nick and Leanne. I can't think everyone sucks here. Well, yes, everyone sucks here. Yeah, it is a definitely an ESH situation. But Steve is not a great parent. <laughs> is he as bad as Tyrone? No. <laughs> What's that? Oh, yeah, with the whole Jade thing. The whole, let's just give the child what she wants just to shut her up thing. Right. right. You know, at least Steve and Tracy don't do that with Amy. But Steve is not a great parent to any of his kids. I think he's being better with Emma right now because she's the new one. And he feels like he has a lot of catching up to do. But not only that, she's also an adult. So he doesn't have to raise her. Right. Somebody's already done that. Yeah, but and I think that's what infuriates Tracy and Leanne is that Amy and Oliver are still children and yet he's spending more time trying to help Emma with her love life and all this other stuff uh-huh. and 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 spending time with her rather than the children who are actually children and whose mothers actually need him to parent. Do you think in uh, like 14 or 15 years time those quads are going to grow up and say to Chesney, where were you, Dad? Where were you when we were growing up? And he'll say, I was slinging kebabs. <laughs> He's not a great dad either. He's better, though. He's more of a helicopter dad. I mean, let's remember how many baths Joseph takes. <laughs> he can't helicopter from the from the kebab shop, though. That's true. That's true. And he's working every hour that God sends. Right. Well, that's because he's got... Five children now, who's all a, of a sudden. Who's a good dad? I think Nick probably is a good dad too. Yeah, Nick to is probably the best dad on Coronation <laughs> Street. Johnny's not a great dad. Oh, God, no. Roy. Roy. Roy's a good dad. Roy and Nick, who neither one of them are actual biological fathers, right. are the best fathers on Coronation Street. Yeah, because even when Roy turned against Carla. It was for, uh, it was for the right reason. Right. It wasn't for selfish reasons or anything. It was, you have to be grown up about this and mm-hmm. you're not being grown up about this. What about Dev? 
Dev's a helicopter as well. Yeah. But he also, he's a helicopter. He's not a very good helicopter, though, because things keep happening to his kids. Well, he, he's, he's like, for the most part, the father of invisible children mm. that they're only ever kind of brought out every now and again. Tim. Tim's a good dad. Tim's dad is a horrible dad. But Tim, <laughs> oh, oh, Tim himself is a pretty good dad, I think. I don't know if I've ever seen much evidence one way or the other for Tim. Kev is a good dad. Kev is a good dad. Kev is a good dad. So go. Roy and Nick are like the top tier dads of the show. <laughs> and then Kev. And then Tim. And then all the other assholes. <laughs> the worst one being... Oh, it's got to be Steve, isn't it? Yeah, it's probably <laughs> Steve. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's move oh, on. Oh, Ed. Ed's a good dad. Well, no, not no, really. No, he's no, homophobic no, no. now. Yep, yep. Remember, we can't he, like Ed anymore. He was good. And now he's kind of meh. But I mean, overall, he seems like a better dad than Steve. As long as you're not gay, he's fine. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, because even Steve handled his, his wife's dalliance with a lady better than Ed did with finding out that his son was gay. Gary. Oh, Gary's the worst dad. Worse than Steve? Gary lives with none of his children, often forgets to pay support. Lives with Maria's child. Right. Well, doesn't. Well, no, they're still together, aren't they? Mm -hmm. I I can never remember if they're on again. We haven't seen them for because we haven't seen them in a while. I was surprised Gary didn't show up this week. I was surprised as well. Kelly the Chin. chin, Yep. Rick the Chin's a bad dad. Because he's dead. <laughs> I think he was probably quite a good dad. I just think from a financial support point of view, he was if, he was if, excellent. Is he is he good when he's financially supporting her through illegal means? Oh, he's a rogue and a crook, absolutely. But I think Tony Soprano was probably a good dad, wasn't he? You haven't really watched The Sopranos, have you? I've watched one episode. <laughs> Walter White was a good dad. He only got everyone killed like maybe five times. <laughs> right, and his son loses his home because of illegal measures and has to live in a tiny apartment with his baby. He does kidnap his daughter, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, let's get back anyway, to this. <laughs> we could go on and on about bad dads in pop culture, but... We won't. Next storyline is after the protest. On Monday at Roy's Rolls, Imran is disappointed that Toya didn't go to the interview that she was going to go for the insurance company. Mary and Neilan stick up for Toya, but she says she can fight her own battles, thanks very much. Imran says, I didn't realise that we were at war. <laughs> Toya explains to Imran that she was doing the right thing, but Imran worries that if she gets a charge, all of their plans could fall to pieces. Right. This is really important. Right. He, and he says that, yes, he recognises that it was the right thing to do, which was nice. I do love Imran and Toya. They're just... Me too. The argument has rumbled on to the Rovers. Imran loves her passion, but Toya thinks that he's been patronising. He doubles down on Toya's other good points. Kind, smart, beautiful, passionate, sexy. Mm -hmm. And this seems to have gotten Toya's motor running and off they go to get their hole. On Wednesday, Arthur is at Dev's and there's a brief misunderstanding with Toya who wants to talk about the rest of the other day and Evelyn who wants to keep that to herself. Evelyn and Arthur engage... 
arranged to meet in the rovers later, and Toy thinks that Arthur's got lovely energy. Aww. So Evelyn meets Toy in the rovers later and tells her about a job that's going at the factory and then says something about friends being God's apology for relatives, which I thought was hilarious. It was hilarious. <laughs> Evelyn put in a good word with Nick for her and Toya reckons that's payment for not dropping her in it with Arthur about, oh, look, I'm about to do it again. Shut up, Toya, because then Arthur comes in. Right. Yes. That was quite funny. Yes, that, I, I like actually, this. I like that this, was very funny. I like this friendship brewing between Evelyn and Toya. Yeah, me too. Just like I like the friendship between Evelyn and, and Nina it up. Yep. I just just for listeners, just to describe it, as Helen was explaining that her index finger and middle finger were wiggling. <laughs> they were. I like this little French. Like wiggle, 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 wiggle. So it looks like uh, Cerberus has peed in the pool because Cerberus was going for hydrotherapy. Yes, he peed in the pool and something else happened. Did he bite somebody or something? Let's go with that. Sure. Imran joins them and blurts out that it's tradition for people to buy their solicitor a shot when he gets them out of prison. So the cat is finally released from the bag and Arthur looks shocked or amused and Elon looks a bit embarrassed. He looks critical. And then on Friday, uh, because this right. should be the same episode, they've all retired to a booth as Imran reveals that he's representing one of the guards uh, who was involved in the protest. Toya is shocked that Imran would do such a thing, but he tells her that somebody needs to be bringing the money in. Toya continues to dig at Imran as Evelyn and Arthur go to leave, and Arthur recommends using aloe vera on their wrists. He calls it very soothing, and then reveals that he protested a second runway somewhere, and this very much gets Evelyn's motor running. Absolutely. And uh, because the hydrotherapy for the dog is going to be too expensive... She's going to take him swimming in the canal. She's going to throw him in the canal. So Arthur offers to join her for that and even thinks that that would be lovely yes toya is being unreasonable i think with the whole imran because the guard is just doing his job Mm -hmm. he's not the one making these laws or or not following through with these laws or anything he's just doing his job you know he doesn't deserve to be hit in the face or whatever happened to him right or did he punch somebody no, somebody punched him. I, I thought that, but then yeah. I thought something happened later that kind of contradicted that. But that's what my initial thought yeah. was. Yeah, somebody punched him. So, I feel like Toya's being unreasonable there. However, I have to say, more Imran and Toya, please, because it is my favourite thing. I think it's, it's in keeping with Toya's um, worldview mm-hmm. that she would object to some of the dodgier clients that Imran has. Yes. But... I think but this, is, got to... but this isn't necessarily a dodgy client. This is a guard who got punched in the face. Right. Just doing his job. And He's probably making minimum wage. Whatever minimum wage is over there. You know. He's not... This isn't sticking it to the man punching a guard. No. At all. No. Punch the managing director, by right. all means. Right. Seriously. The councilman. Right. But instead, you glue yourself to him for some reason. I kind of oh, wish we had seen that. Do I mention? Do you? Did you? Will you? I'm about to. Okay. I thought I'd finish that story and I haven't as I've got a paragraph to go. Oh. So sit back, relax okay. and enjoy the final paragraph in the storyline. In the meantime, Irman's going for a pee or something and Toya has phoned Nick and has gotten a job at the factory in the sales department without an interview. Well, yes. Meaning that Michael... Ain't getting that job. Oh. 
Oh, that's right. I forgot all about that. Because, yeah. Yeah, Michael's not getting that job. And, you know, Nick keeping it in the family. Michael was never getting that job. No. Because Michael was still working with Ed. Right. Which means that him even applying for that job and being there was just to talk to Alina. Mm-hmm. Which is making me think that there is going to be something between them now. Mm. Because there's, there's no real reason for that or those two scenes to exist. Well, we'll see. Unless they needed two salespeople. They might. Toya thinks that Imran can now drop the security guard case, but he refuses to do so on no. her say. And beside, he's already dropped it on his own say. Did he? Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> Who knows? Because... Because he wants to get his hole again. Because they get their hole this this week. Remember, mm-hmm. oh, this end in the back of the rovers, and he and he's like this. You know, the the whole doing the right thing is one of the things he loves most about Toya. And she's like, well, what are the other things? And he mentions beautiful and sexy. And yeah, apparently, that's all Toya needs to say. Right, drink up. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I wish you were that easy. <laughs> this, is got, <laughs> this has got two things that's gone for it. Toy and Imran and Evelyn and Arthur. Yes. I think this is a this is the storyline that, that brought me the joy this the week. The most I delight. Think. Yep. So let's talk about Shady Acres then. <laughs> oh, do we have to? Yep. This story. I'm still enjoying this. I'm still enjoying this. I don't know. It makes me. It makes me very cringy, and I don't know why. But I'm just like I. Maybe, maybe because of my own dalliance in politics, it just. It's painful to watch. On Monday, Shady Acres, Ken and Claudia are planning a schmoozing event to curry the residents' favour. Charles walks by and seems to twig what's going on, Uh, but fuck all people have turned up to Ken's do except Norris and Frida. But Claudia is already half-pished and she goes off to find another bottle of wine and then hears a distant piano and it turns out Charles is throwing an impromptu competing gathering which Ken immediately accuses him of throwing by using misappropriated funds. Ken makes a speech announcing his candidacy to the other residents. Uh-huh. Thinking about Bob, whatever that is. Yes. And how he'll be a trustworthy guardian or whatever. But nobody reacts and he's made to feel as welcome as a fart in a spacesuit. Lovely. On Wednesday, it's fencing Wednesday at Shady Acres, and Norris Yay. is chatting privately to Charles while Ken and Claudia look on, Ken suspecting that Norris is a double agent. <sighs> then Charles comes over, and it appears that Norris has been doing some shit-talking on Ken's behalf, saying that Ken reckons that he can beat Charles at fencing. Well, let's be having you, says Ken, and he throws down the gauntlet. That was ridiculous. This goes on into Friday, where the duel is taking place, and Ken is very quickly dispatched by Charles. The two men shaking it, and Ken privately thinks that something was wrong with Charles's censor. It turns out Charles was national champion in the 70s, and Ken's like, well, what the fuck were you doing putting me up against him, Norris? Yeah. But Norris, who joins Ken and Claudia then, he reveals that the fencing was just a distraction, and Norris has stolen the Shady Acres rule book from Charles' sports bag. Because, of course, he's carrying he's around carrying a bag. thing <laughs> that he claims doesn't exist, mm-hmm. because, of course, that's what he would do. Yep. Where will I hide this? In, in my the bag. sports bag. Ken discovers, when they're back in their little apartment place, that there are no cleaning charges. Everything, in fact, is covered by the maintenance fee, so Charles has no right whatsoever to be taking money off people. Absolutely. And Norris is surprised to see that it's actually okay for them to walk on the grass. Hmm. 
Claudia thinks Ken should literally throw the book at Charles. And that's exactly what he intends to do. I hope not. He might break his nose. I'm still enjoying this. Kind of. It's weird. I mean, it's not weird. It's just... Ken has never been one of my favorites anyway. So to have, you know, to have him be this, like, righteous, judgy type person. Which is exactly what he is. Right. It's just, it's just a little too much Ken for me, I think. And also, like I said, it's just the whole him being, him fighting on the right side against somebody even more judgy and preachy than he is. I don't know. It it was a lot more fun, I think, when it was uh, The Great Escape. Yeah, I, I think I, I'd still prefer The Great Escape to be The Great Escape. Thing, right, rather this than is Election. Now, or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or whatever. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'd prefer that. Mm-hmm. I do, however, object to the amount of hairspray that Ken and Charles must have used when they were wearing their fencing masks and then just ripped them off. And, the, and their hair was perfect. Right, <laughs> The ozone doesn't repair itself, nah. does it? I can't remember, does it? I think it probably does. They probably ripped them off and then they stopped filming and fixed their hair and then kept filming and just spliced it together. Right. And then had an old, a big Mac in one of those old styrofoam containers. <laughs> I miss them. The clamshells. Yeah. While we're destroying the environment. Right. Remember the one for the McDLT? That wasn't a thing. Oh, that's right. You guys didn't have the McDLT. That was not a thing. You didn't have Jason Alexander dancing in the streets with the McDLT commercials. If he did, he would have been arrested as being drunk. (laughs) And a charge of the breach of the peace would have been given. (laughs) Where the lettuce and the tomato were on one side. And, you know, they keep the hot side hot and the cold side cold. (laughs) And then you put them together. Why? (laughs) No. This kind of smells like a gimmick. It's a bit gimmicky, yeah. McDonald's and gimmick mm. scandal. Who'd have thunk? Speaking of one flew over the cuckoo's nest, did you uh, listen to Sofa Cinema Club? I did. Yeah? It was, a, it was a good one. It was a good episode. Although they were wrong. In the book, uh, it's it's not told from the point of view of a doctor. It's told from the point of view of Chief. Which is why, you know, Chief is important. Is right. He's less important in the movie. Right. Well, he's a, and I think that's what made uh, what's his name the the writer mad is that Chief becomes like a lesser character in the whole you know aspect of him being kind of marginalized because he is Native American and all the other people are white. But I don't know what else they could do with a silent observer in a movie. Yeah, internal dialogue and all that stuff. Eesh, never a fan of that. No. Very heavy in the exposition. Yes. Anyway. So that's what's wrong with that book. I, don't, I actually don't think <laughs> no, that's wrong with the book. it's not wrong with the book. It's, it's how it's, you know, it's tough to make... The translation's difficult. The translation to a right. movie with internal dialogue. Our penultimate storyline today is Scott to Trot. <laughs> <laughs> oh. On, oh, Burmy. <laughs> on Wednesday. Jenny is seeing off the latest B&B guest when Sean comes in. <clears throat> 
can we rate them? What can they just rate us? Says Johnny. Who's, right, because who's sitting because, on the toilet? Because <laughs> Jenny has asked the guy to give them a high rate, you know, on on tripadvisor.com or whatever it is. That they- the whole pub was rattling with the guy snoring last night, says Johnny. There's a new punter coming tonight who needs a trouser press. The guy asked about a long let, so it's sounding quite promising, says Jenny. Yes, and Sean seems to think that if somebody's asking for a trouser press, they must be gay. Right. Well done on your own homophobia there, Sean. The punter arrives early and chats with Sean, who ups his flouncing flirtations to nine. Turns out he only wanted to know if they had uh, trouser press because it lets him know if it's a posh place or not. Right. Because that's a, a mark of a class establishment if you've got a Kirby trouser press in the room. Liz is there, who quickly takes an interest in the guy, who doesn't quite reciprocate immediately, then goes for a wander until Johnny and Jenny come back. Rita calls Sean and Liz a pair of cock-hungry whores. Please not do that when I've just sipped some coffee. I almost spit it out all over the place because that's fucking hilarious. (laughs) She is very judgy, though. I've been looking forward to seeing that for three days. (laughs) Cock-hungry whore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The punter comes back and Liz is quickly over him like a fly on shit. His name is Scott, and Liz offers to buy him a drink. She's not backward in coming forward at all, is she? No, she's not. When Sean arrives and says that his first is on the house because Jenny still isn't there to welcome him, so Scott ends up buying Liz a drink. It's all very confusing. Scott mistakes Rita for Liz's <laughs> mum. That was hilarious. Who then threatens to need Scott in the notes. That was hilarious. Can I buy one for your mother? <laughs> for your granny. How old do you think Scott is? Probably around Liz's age. I think younger than Liz, right? No, no, because he knows Johnny, or Johnny knows him. Well, well let's see if we haven't gotten to yet, but yeah, he's around that age. He's got a little bit of grey on his temples. He's an older gentleman. 60s. Oh, I don't know, I would have thought 50s. Maybe, maybe mid to late 50s. Late but... 50s, early 60s. Johnny and Jenny are finally back, and when Johnny sees Scott chatting with Liz, he really does look like he's sitting on the toilet. <laughs> he, like, oh. jumps back. <laughs> Grimaces. Hides behind a wall. Ay, 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 ay. On Friday, Scott is giving Liz some chat about being too young to have grown children, and then he steps away to take a phone call as Eileen comes in to check the new guy out, and Sean is pissed that his gay dad is fucked. Jenny finally arrives and fawns over Scott, giving him yet another drink in the house. And Johnny comes home from a walk. He's through the back. And he's been speaking with Eva and thinks that they should go to France immediately. Like right now. Tonight. Right now. Let's go. Jenny is no can do. Scott will be staying for weeks, apparently. And Johnny looks like he's going to throw up. Sean is still giving it the big sale as he shows Scott up to his room. He keeps insinuating uh, about going both ways and... You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I can do more than one thing and, you know, ch- hoping that Scott is bisexual. Yep. Yeah. And he struggles to pick up Scott's bag. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Liz is chuffed to have got his number and Eileen looks a little put out. And later, Johnny is still playing the France card with Jenny. They've been so tired lately, they need a break. Understandably, Jenny doesn't want to leave the pub with Sean and Ryan, so tells him to go on his own. And, and Emma, g- does, does she not remember that Emma works there? Does that make that situation better or worse? Better. I think better, yeah. Yes. I get the impression that he's probably going to do 
he's going to do just that. Mm-hmm. He's going to go to France just to string this out a little bit longer. Yes. And and uh, he says he's not feeling well. And that's when the show remembers that Johnny has MS. <laughs> yes. Was it your MS? No, I don't think so. <laughs> that's right. I have MS. So, Which hasn't been mentioned since Aiden died. Right, since he had. Right. <laughs> and he kidnapped his granddaughter. Right. Oh, God, that was a low point, wasn't it? Yes. That was the last time we heard about Johnny's MS. Before he went away without his medication. Right. Unless I had to rescue him. Yes. Because uh, they were knocking boots back then. Oh, God, and then Jenny ends up getting her find Liz up and all that kind of nonsense happened. Right, and then oh. she puts him puts Liz on a, you know, horny granny site. <laughs> Hornygrannies.com. I bet you that's a thing. That's absolutely a thing. <laughs> this week's episode of Talk of the Street has been brought to you by hornygrannies.com. Where all the gills hang out. <laughs> yes. Oh, You've heard of MILFs. Now see the gilfs. I've heard of gilfs as well. <laughs> have you? Have you heard of gilfs? Yeah. Or have you been to gilfs.com? I haven't, but <laughs> th- there was. <laughs> I do have a story. But you're not acting like <laughs> it's beyond the realms of possibility. Well, that's but that isn't beyond the realms of possibility. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that you go to gilfs.com. Oh, no, I don't. No, that's not. <laughs> I don't. Gaz has it in for the older lady. <laughs> you said I didn't a couple of weeks ago. You said it not like that. <laughs> but maybe like that. No, no. <laughs> Where do you Yikes. think? I don't think we really know enough about the Scott Johnny no. thing to be able to even. But he seems scared of him. Are you just he Johnny does... is scared of Scott? Has Scott seen Johnny yet? No. Okay. And I don't. And I'm curious because I'm I'm sure the um, the ad, you know the 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 site that he rented the B and B from mentions the names the of names the proprietors, they. right? So you'd think that and it's if above the door. Some... It's above the door. Is it? Mm-hmm. It has to be above the door. The name of the the owners have to be and their licensees. So that's like kind of just broadcasting a license. That this is a licensed premises. Mm. So, so he should know. So he should know. Which means this is maybe deliberate. Yeah. But. But it doesn't know. seem deliberate. No, it doesn't seem deliberate at all. Although we don't know why he's staying there for a couple of weeks. Did he say anything? Well, he's a building contractor, so he moves about uh, from place to place, from job to job. What building is he's he contracting? Got a job I don't think it's anything that's that's hmm. involved in any storyline. I wonder if I wonder if it has something to do with uh um what's his name? The evil restaurant guy oh. buying up the oh God, what is his name again? Buying up uh Kev's because remember Weinstein uh Oh god, what is his name? I haven't seen them in ages. I know. Yeah, he he does this evil thing to buy up Kev's auto repair shop in the uh-huh. in the arches, uh-huh. and then nothing happens. Right. We have dropped that storyline. Ray. 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 Ray Weinstein. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
I wonder if he's working for Ray Weinstein to knock down the arches in the in the auto repair shop and make them part of. That doesn't have anything to do with Johnny, though. Well, yeah. Well, I'm I'm wondering if that's why he's there, and then he must have something to do with Johnny from Johnny's evil dark past. Johnny does Johnny have an evil dark past? I think he's got a past. Obviously. Well, we all have a past, don't we? And probably some of it will be questionable. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see where this goes. Our final storyline is Asha's latest horrible storyline. On I, I told you. <laughs> when will Summer get her own horrible storyline? On Monday, Asha, Amy and Kelly the Chin are in Roy's roles. Amy doesn't know why Ash is so quick to give Corey another try after he ghosted her the last time, and Kelly thinks that Amy is jealous. So Amy's at number one when Tracy comes home looking for her charger. Tracy asks Amy to tell her pals to keep their mitts off her flowers, thank you very much. Oh, fucking tell them yourself, says Amy, and then explains about her minor falling out with Asher. Tracy offers to clear out and let her have her pals over for a wee housewarming tomorrow. Then Amy- With pizza. Because yes. teenagers can't deny free pizza, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Amy meets Corey outside the kebab shop and invites him to the housewarming thing tomorrow. He accepts when Amy mentions Asha. This is seen but not heard by Asha and Kelly the chin, the latter of whom is more convinced than ever that Amy has the Corey hots. Yeah, and this really kind of confused me and put me off a wee bit because, you know, Amy and Corey are acting like best friends, like... Yeah, they're buddies. Like, they hang out and they're buddies. When Amy, just a little while ago, was telling Asha that Corey's no good and she and he was a scuzzbag and she shouldn't have anything to do with him. Maybe no good romantically, but as a friend, I don't know. Meh. Asha and Corey are FaceTiming. They flirt a bit and Asha admits to liking him and he says that he likes her and he says it doesn't have any designs on Amy. It seems all the lads fancy Asha. And she finds this hard to believe, but he insists that they all think that she's so hot with her lovely skin and stuff. Her and lovely he, golden skin. And he wants to see her body. And she makes him promise not to share with anyone what she does. And then she begins to undress in front of the phone. Yikes. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, Benny turns up for work at the kebab shop and immediately puts Kathy's nose out of joint by eating one of the pita breads that Kathy had been using earlier as a hilarious prop to point out Asha's idleness. Right, and Bernie correctly points out that they can't feed that to a customer now. Right, because Kathy's been holding them up to her ears. Right, yeah. Hilariously. Yes. Then Asha sees Corey outside, who looks about as old as Judd Nelson did in The Breakfast Club, <laughs> who was 75 years old when he was in The Breakfast Club. <laughs> she checks to make sure that he's going to Amy's still, and he thinks that they can show face and then go off and get their hole somewhere. Surely Asha's not getting shy after that display on the phone last night, he says. Mm. Oh no. Dev wants Evelyn to work while he swans off to a tapas bar. Well, <laughs> well, tough titty because service has a hydrotherapy appointment. Then at number one, Tracy lays down some ground rules. Amy isn't interested, it's just a chilled catch up with a few mates. Why can't Tracy trust her? Then Ed is in the kebab shop and is caught by Aggie, so Kathy asks Asha to take the kebab round to Gemma. On her way, Asha bumps into Kelly the Chin, who's on the phone to Addy. And Asha's curious why Kelly the Chin calls her overprotective. Oh, Asha's curious why 
and Kelly the Chin calls her overprotective and then advises that Asha get to the party early before Amy gets her claws into Corey. Then later, because Evelyn has refused, Dev is showing the ropes to Addy 2.0. <laughs> as soon as he's alone in the shop, he immediately eyes up the charity donations tin and then the body behind the bar. Summer and Asha are already around at Amy's and after Amy insists that she's not into Corey and after Summer points out that Kelly the Chin is a troublemaker, Asha reveals that she flashed a lot to Corey last night on video chat. Yeah, and it was... The lot. Yeah, she she insinuates that she took it all off. Mm-hmm. But in articles that I've read this week about this whole thing, it just says topless. Oh, no, she admitted to showing everything. Right. Yeah, so obviously these people were not watching the show very well. Right. So she admits this and then says, do you think he likes me? (laughs) About 24 hours too late. Kelly arrives and Amy tries to throw her out, but Kelly insists that she was just joking. Besides, Amy will need her backup in that after half hour where they hide descend on number one with booze aplenty, making Addy's 2.0's offering look a little feeble. Mm. Amy begs Simon to do something to help, but he claims that he has a date and leads her to it. (laughs) Sorry, I've got a date for Ad- once in my life. Addy 2.0 is already gassed and has lost a shoe. Corey has an Easter rabbit gift for Asha, and Kelly the Chin has got into the Wi-Fi and turns the music up. Then Regina George from Mean Girls shows up. Nope, <laughs> wait, it's Pastel Blue. She shows up and tells Amy that Kelly started the group... Oh, is that who that is? Mm-hmm. The party group chat thing, which wasn't the case. And the Bugsy Malone mob now arrive, and the whole thing is fast becoming a nightmare, just like the bit in Weird Science where the zombie bikers show up, only worse, but more politically correct. (laughs) It's like every teen movie ever, isn't it? Yes. Where, oh, it's just going to be a couple of people, and then it gets out of hand, and you can't control it, and you can't kick people out. And the zombie bikers turn up. Bikers or bakers? Bikers. It sounded like you said bakers the first time. <laughs> Zombie bakers? That would be, <laughs> be interesting. That would be interesting. With their soggy probably, bottoms. You'd probably, <laughs> you'd probably find an ear in your, uh, in your brioche. <laughs> <laughs> there now follows a somewhat complicated series of events. Addy 2.0 is falling asleep in a chair, which pisses off Kelly, who goes upstairs and passes Corey, who's choosing this moment, in the middle of a busy party, to look at his video of Asha flashing. Which is weird, because the angle is all wrong to where Asha put that phone for him to watch. Amy asks Corey to change Kelly's banging playlist to something more chill, which he tries to do on his phone, but he's interrupted by Asha, who needs Corey's help lifting Addy 2.0 to his feet and taking him outside that's the worst mistake you can do when somebody's that drunk is to take them outside. Yeah. And in doing so, leaves his phone in plain sight, which Kelly, who didn't really go upstairs, or who can pee really fast, sees. Yes. Uh, no teenager. No teenager is going to leave their phone. He would have stuck it in his pocket. And nobody has a password on their phone. It's, it's your thumbprint. It's literally your thumbprint. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Timbo 4000 just belched. <laughs> the chill music is calming people down, and Corey wants to go elsewhere with the Asha, but Addy 2.0 bumps into Corey as he barges by, presumably to throw up somewhere, and Tracy's lamp falls and breaks. Amy blames Kelly, who blames Corey, and Summer says that she can fix it. 
but no one thanks her. No, no one does. <laughs> As Amy and Asha leave, both blame Kelly, and this is all the encouragement that is required for Kelly the Chin to send Asha's flashing video round everyone in the group chat on Corey's phone. <laughs> and in the room, a dozen notifications go off at the same time. Plink, uh, plink. And everyone plink, checks plink, out the video. Plink, plink, plink. Oh, on Friday, the party is still going on. Corey wants to leave still. <laughs> Addy's out at the backyard feeling sick. Asha apologises to Kelly the Chin for having to go earlier, and Kelly agrees to put it behind them. But yeah. it's already too late. Yeah, it's already too late. In comes Aggie with her final warning. Either turn this shit down or she's calling the police. Amy does her best, but no one's really listening. And then Pastel Blue gives Asha some thinly disguised digs at her stripping video that everyone finds hilarious, but Asha doesn't get. So later, Asha worries that people are behaving weirdly towards her. Then Dev comes in and sees the state of Addy 2.0 and drags him and Asha out, telling Amy that he'll be on the phone to Steve as soon as he gets home. To be fair, Amy has been trying to get people to leave from minute one of this party starting. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. And that's... It's typical, isn't it? She's been trying. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been working. She's only one kid. Right. And yet her parents and, her, and all the adults blame her because it's her party. Right. Aggie and Ed are furious to discover teens snogging in their backyard, and there's plenty of empty beer tins, and something off their yard furniture has broken. And Aggie's the had enough. Flower pot. She's calling the cops. At home, Dev has given Asha a hard time for not leaving the party when it got out of hand. And when Dev tends to vomit in Addy 2.0, Asha grabs her phone and disappears upstairs, looking like she's finally figured out what's been going on. Then Steve and Tracy are walking home from another storyline when Peter arrives out of the blue with his duffel bag. Then they all see the police outside the house, lights flashing, kids on the pavement, uh, drinking on the pavement, and Amy looking pretty sheepish. Some time has passed here and uh, Amy's tidying up. Peter thinks it isn't a party until the police arrive. And then when Tracy complains to Aggie about calling the cops, Peter reveals that Tracy's just jealous. Her idea of a teenage party was pressing play on her tape recorder upstairs. And this is hilarious. It absolutely because is. Because there was a huge deal made of this in the in the nineties, probably before, that Tracy rather than Joseph going for a bath, uh-huh. Tracy would go upstairs to listen to tapes. That's <laughs> that was the standard thing. Wasn't listening to records, wasn't listening no. to the radio. Yeah. Always listening to tapes. Then, Love it. then Amy finds her phone and sees the group chat is about Asha being a, a skanky bitch. She calls Asha, who immediately rejects the call. Sometime later, Amy is tidying up, complaining that this wasn't her fault. Steve comes in, announcing that people have been in their bedroom. (laughs) And they've stolen his signed photograph of Tommy O. (laughs) And Tracy's confused that he owns such a thing. And then he leaves it on the bedside table. Like, what are you doing, Steve? Are you wanking (laughs) to Tommy O? Then she notices a hole in her throat and a precious lamp is missing. Amy calls Asha again, but again, Asha dingies it. Amy throws a stone up to her window and shouts up to her. And uh, Asha comes over and opens the window. And apparently people are still commenting on that photo and and her phone is still buzzing with all of those. Right. So she throws it into a drawer rather than turning the notifications off. And leaving group chat. Yeah. Corey is cancelled, says Amy, but Asha doesn't want to talk about it. She didn't know that he was recording it. She thought he liked her, and now the whole school will have seen it. And she closes the window and falls on her bed in tears. And that's how we end this week's episodes. Yes. Oh, this so is a sad. heavy, heavy storyline. But this is, I guess, one of the one of the reasons why I'm glad I'm not a teenager at the moment. Yes, and why our eleven-year-old does not have her own phone. <laughs> right. 
Not that I think she'd be stupid enough to do that sort of thing, but... No, but, you know, smart kids do stupid things. Because they're, they're still kids. I am curious if they are going to hit up on the aspect that this is technically child porn. I object to and that illegal that terminology. Do you? Yes. I watched. God, what did I watch? No, it was listening to. Uh, it was one of the CBC podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, finding Juggernaut or something like that. It's this guy who ran all these dark websites. Oh, yeah. And the guy says, you shouldn't you shouldn't ever refer to it as child porn because it, it, it kind of suggests some kind of complicitness that doesn't exist. This is uh, child sex abuse on the internet. That's oh, yeah. what it is. Oh, fair point, yes. So so that that is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Because if this is going around the school, then you can bet it's going beyond the school and mm-hmm. it's probably going to end up on Pornhub or something like that. Right, absolutely. And... um. And and there it exists forever. Right. One- yeah. So, you know, Corey might see some jail time for this, even though he didn't do it. Right. Although he did do it because he said, show me your skin in the creepiest way possible. Right. Finding Warhead is that uh, podcast. podcast. It's kind of harrowing, but it's... It's quite yeah, compelling it's one of the listening. few CBC documentary podcasts that I have not listened to. Yeah, it's it's exceptionally well done. Yeah, it's but it's a really really disturbing subject matter. Disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, CBC's podcasts are just the best. Well done, Canada. They really are. They really Two are. Thumbs up to Canada. So yeah, it's a moment oh. that is fleeting, and one which I would assume from Asha's point of view was initially full of excitement right yeah and then turns so dark so quickly and then it is irrevocable there's nothing that is now the cat is out of the bag so to speak i'm so glad we didn't have smartphones or social media when we were teenagers oh god the pressure can you imagine and so much worse for girls and for boys absolutely (sighs) yeah i mean while we kind of joked about asha getting yet another Horrible storyline. Horrible storyline. It is oh, it's kind of vital that this is sort of talked about and the, absolutely. And the, the ramifications of this are understood. Just like the whole skin lightning thing was absolutely an important thing to to talk about because these things happen to young girls all over the world. And, you know, I'm kind of bummed that the, that the skin lightning thing seemed to be wrapped up rather quickly and that mm-hmm. we're kind of forgetting that it even happened now right. with people... Complimenting her, quote unquote, golden skin. Yes. But, yeah, it's important that these storylines be done. I just wish that it wasn't poor Asha again. I know. When you could read some of the group chat things, it was... uh, Yeah, they were all blaming her. They're all blaming her, but it's like, who would have thought that such a goody-goody would have done something like that? So she's gone from being a goody-goody in everyone's mind to being quote a skanky bitch all right. of a sudden so that's her reputation and i yeah and i think that's like that. that's part of it it's like oh she acts like she's such a goody two-shoes but look what she's really like right and that that tends to i think happen i don't think summer would have ever done something like this god no 
I don't think Amy would have done it either. I thought she'd get no because because Amy is a little bit more worldly wise than than uh, Summer and um, Asha are because she's already she's no longer a virgin. Mm -hmm. So it was funny because while I was watching, I was like, "Ah, no, this is horrible. These kids are 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 too young to be talking about this." And then I was like, "Oh, wait a second. Amy's already had an abortion. (laughs) Never mind. Carry on." I think Asha's meant to be fourteen. Yeah, she's young. Like way young. Hmm. Because Amy's a bit older. I thought they were the same age. They're in the same classes, aren't they? Hmm. And Kelly is in Kelly the Chin is in Asha's classes. Right. Yeah, I think fourteen, Amy's, I fifteen. Think, I think Amy's a little older. I don't think so. Summer's a bit younger. Summer's like right. thirteen. Nice to see Amy though, being a friend and and sticking up for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Despite the fact that she's had a pretty shit night as well absolutely <laughs> i do feel for i do feel for amy because tracy yeah steve and none of that it, none of that really was her fault it was so funny when she she ran after peter and said please take me home with you and then and when you she, adopt me and then when she went back in the house she told tracy that she hates her <laughs> i hate you of course she does and it's just water off tracy's back right. it's like whatever it's like meh <laughs> go ahead hate me uh, so, I don't think next week's going to be particularly enjoyable from a Nasha point of view. No. I think it's just going to get oh, worse. Oh, can you imagine when Dev finds out? Because Dev will find out. Oh, un- unquestionably, Dev, Dev is going will to find, find out. out. And he's going to beat the crap out of Corey. I think he's going to try. Yeah. Well, dear. Or, charges have to be made here. Mm-hmm. Oh, Corey is going. To, Corey is complicit in this, although he isn't yeah. guilty in in spreading in it, distributing it. But he is guilty of asking her to do it, which and then recording was it. Creepy, without her knowing that he's recording it. Right? Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, not good. <sighs> not cool, young man. Your moment of the week. <sighs> Over an hour and a half again. Well, we've said that we that we want to keep our moments of the week light and happy during the pandemic. Yep. I really enjoyed uh, Tracy's tapes. <laughs> I thought Peter, Peter in that scene. Peter coming back from wherever he was. And just, he was the only... <laughs> the lonely seaman. <laughs> he was the only kind of voice of calm in that living room as the tidy gnome was going right, on. Right, yeah. Because he was playing it down for Amy's... Same. Point of view, saying right. it's not a party unless the police arrive, and then getting Tracy a zing when she's uh, trying to be a bitch to Aggie and Ed, I thought was great, and just kind of put a lid on Tracy. Right. And plus the cast back to Tracy classic being Coronation horrible to great. Aggie and Eddie and Ed was like the worst part of that. That's what I was like. Okay, Tracy, you've lost me because right. Aggie and Ed did the right thing, and they waited a long time to call the police. It probably prevented further damage from happening. Absolutely. Just the, the throwback to classic Corey with the Tracy's tapes. Just I think there was a lot in there for the for the older Corey fan to enjoy. All right, let's do that. Let's have that be our That's moment. Peter. Wow, Peter's got moment of the week. Peter coming out. Peter, the lonely seaman coming home, is our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week would be. Ken and oh. Norris and Claudia and Frida. Frida 
Sitting around a table staring at sandwiches. <laughs> yes, that's definitely our boring moment of the week. A boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this one up then, my dear? Yes, please. If you're part of the Bugsy Malone mob, first, how on earth did you get invited to a party? And second, when is this bloody place supposed to be on? They've been rehearsing for months, and didn't I'm still it, waiting for... Didn't it for... already happen? I thought it already happened. Well, there's still a Bugsy Malone mob. Right, well, that's like, Steli still hangs with, with her Peter Pan people. Peter Pan people? Peter Pan people. She also has a group of friends called the Rat Children, and that bothers me. I think they're people that she knows from the teen center, but she's like... She's constantly just out of the blue saying, I really miss the rat children. Anyway, here's how you can get in touch. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com on email, and that is the very address you can use to get in touch on Skype and leave a voicemail, and also how you can send us a nugget or two for our virtual tip jar on PayPal. Please do. There's a pandemic on. But only if you can afford it. Yes. We are at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah, only if you don't miss it. Don't be, don't be doing anything stupid. I don't think anybody's going to be giving us their life savings, my darling. I just want to make it clear that I would not appreciate that. Right. Please consider leaving a rating. I'd much rather a rating, or a rating and review on iTunes. We'd enjoy that very much, most likely, depending on what you wrote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for that three-star review, whoever you are. Yes. Thanks for making it to the end of another Restore. episode. We will be back next week with episode 100 of The Talk of the Street. <gasps> Are we going to do something special? <laughs> no. <laughs> I kind of had little plans or ideas that were kind of kicking about the back of my head round about episode 90 that well, everything that's happened has just been, nah. <laughs> let's just, let's just do it like... Shall we drink? Shall we uh, get a bottle of champers and have uh, mimosas? <laughs> that sounds like a brilliant idea. Let's do that. <laughs> Okay, folks, take care. We'll speak to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.